Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos, and, and our, our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped, loves a circle with no end. No, what's going on? It's not about this last night, and he said happiness is egg-shaped. Hey, um, happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped, and loves a circle with no end. Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Egg Shaped. And today it's an old friend of mine who was also a bit of a hero. One of those times where you pinch yourself a little bit at who you got to play alongside or who you got to spend some time with. He's gone on a journey that is unique to him. And as we do more and more of these pods, the more I realise that there's not just one pathway for people to follow. Uh, He's a man around town. He knows all the whispers and all the secrets. I'm not sure he's going to share any of them with us. But what a rugby player. Played for Scotland, kicked goals uh, and had to field some of my awful passes every now and then. But was very, very kind to me uh, as a young up-and-coming player. So a mentor, an experienced campaigner, even though he looks younger than me and he's probably a fair bit my senior, please welcome the one and the only Mr. Michael Dodds. Hello, Michael. How are you doing, matey? How are you doing? I've, I've, what an introduction. I've got to be uh, that. Well, you know, one of the things that, as a young player at Gala, it was a different time and there was still guys like you there who had... You know, you'd you'd played international rugby. You'd you'd been around very good players. You'd played in the era where there was no professional, and all the best players were in club rugby. And you had an unbelievable amount of experience. When you were in that period, were you excited about becoming pro rugby? I guess it's a it's a strange one, Bruce. I think because I'd played most of my career um, in the amateur game, um, and I guess. You know, loved the environment. You know, we trained Tuesday, Thursday, played on a Saturday, had a couple of beers. But there was there was two or three of us even before that, 
you know, probably myself, Mark Moncrief, um, a couple of other guys, you know, we do training on a Monday ourselves um, uh, or a Wednesday, and then we'd have Friday off play Saturday. And again, a lot of that, you know, as we tried to kind of grow in the game, we've done professional sprinting with Charlie Russell and, you know, just to try and give ourselves a little bit of an edge. But look, and then the game went professional in 95, 96, and, you know, it changed. I, I guess I, I was at the stage I would probably be 27 at that stage. So, you know, April is the tail end of my career, which, you know, I, I'm not sure if I could have done the day in, day out. You know what I mean? And I did it in Northampton, uh, which was great. But um, I'd say I'd, I think I'd spent too much of my career in the early days. And some of those guys that you played with and against, like the, the best players in the country, some of them the best in the British Isles and, and two or three probably the best in their position on the planet at the time. Who yeah. did you love playing against? Who's the big rivalry? Uh, I mean, obviously, when you like Gala, it was, you know, the gala Hoyt thing had always been the thing in the past where you had, you know, obviously brother had played and stuff like that, Arthur Brown and he, Colin Gass, David Bryson's, all these kind of guys who had came through when you were at the, the very start of your career in Gala. But I guess the probably Gala Melrose became quite a big rivalry. You know, Melrose are an amazing team at the time. We had a pretty decent team and, you know, um, but you kind of grew up with these guys right through age group rugby. So it was a, it was always a kind of a tough rival with Melrose. You know, we used to love the Boxing Day games, you know, you know, where you get probably a decent crowd, you know, uh, to these sort of games back then. And it was always great to either play at the Green Yards or, or um, Netherdale and, and, you know, lash your hell out each other for 80 minutes, but then have a couple of beers, you know, so. And the, the bit that we all look back with romance is you played club rugby, you, as you say, you knocked hell at each other, then you had a couple of beers, but then you pulled on a South Jersey. And I, yeah. I love the South. I love the districts. Uh, where so that was, uh, I thought it was an amazing, you know, at the time, that was the that was a player's ambition. You know, you played for your hometown. Um, you tried to get in the district. The district was a pathway then in the national or age group. Um, but you know, I just for me growing up, though, that that red and white hoop jersey was always kind of it was amazing because you know well, probably like you, you know, we went to games as kids, the All Blacks, you know, Fiji, Australia, where you know you had the South team at the time probably had thirteen internationals in it that were playing for for Scotland, and you know you were running apart probably apart from New Zealand, you were probably running these these teams pretty close, you know. Um, so I'm at the South for me was was great. I, I loved that environment because again you were playing with the best players in your in your in your district. And I think it was always great that the border people were brilliant, I thought, because they whether you're Gala, Melrose, Hoyt, Langham, Kelso, Selkirk, whatever, Jed, you know, when they pulled on that red and white jersey, everybody came and supported you. And it didn't matter who you played for, which was was a brilliant thing. Who who did you play with? that you'd knocked lumps out on a Saturday for years and you had an opinion of them. And then at the South, you thought, actually... <laughs> I didn't knock lumps at anybody. I no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, look, I guess, you know, you got a different perspective of players. Um, when, you, when you played against them, you thought, God, I bet he's a real pain in the arse, you know what I mean? Excuse the language. But then when you got to know him, you thought, God, I'd rather have him on my side. Than... And that's what made him so good. I mean, 
I think the, the Melrose guys, I think, always set the standard. And I think probably going back to, I heard you on with Creamy the other week, and, you know, he set Melrose on that kind of pathway, I think, you know, when when everybody else was kind of not training, they'd be training on Christmas Day, you know what I mean? Before the Boxing Day game. They, they were just, he was pushing them a little, little bit further. Uh, and I, I think he obviously had a core group of players there that, that gave them, you know, that's why they went on to have a successful time in that early 90s, you know. And you played club rugby for Gala. Sevens was also something you excelled at. And obviously the Borders, home of Sevens, really competitive at the time. Gala Sevens was was massive. Uh, and then Melrose. And then, you know, every, every club had their Sevens tournament and you guys took it really seriously. How did that help your progress as a player? I think... Again, you're going back to the way rugby's changed over the last 25 years. You know, the size of players. I wasn't particularly big, but you know, if I think of the gala team, you know, it was myself, Chinky, Farky, all pretty slim, really. Mouse Maitland, um, you know, John Amos, um, even Burger. You know, when he came in, he was probably coming a little bit later. We weren't massively big, but you know, it, it created a real good high skill level. Uh, I love the sevens because, you know, it, there was just that little bit more space. So if he did have a little bit of speed, um, I guess in guile and stuff, he could try and, and do stuff a little bit better. But we had an unbelievable team, you know. I mean, collectively, you know, I think we, we couldn't get over the hump early. I think it was probably early 90s. We, we ended up beating a few finals and it was actually – I used to love playing the sevens, but it was a strange thing. I, I kind of wanted it over. As soon as we started playing, I was like, I wanted to, I just wanted to end because I didn't want to lose. And it was a horrible feeling. And being at a few finals, we got beat and we just couldn't seem to get over the line. And then we played, I think it was it, we played the Gallus, it was at 92 at Selkirk when we ended up playing, you know, England were there, Scotland were there as the guys. Uh, Johnny Brown and Pete were the coaches. And, you know, we went out that day and we ended up beating England other England sevens team at the time who were who four or five of them went on to play and win the World Cup later on and then we beat Northampton in the final you know as well guys like uh, Harvey Thornycroft who I played with Nick Beale really top players and suddenly the belief you know it's like just having that belief of getting something over the line and then after that everyone seemed to click and you know it was just a joke about some games saying you turn up at a sevens, you're like going, oh, this is, and it sounds a bit kind of arrogant and it's not meant to be, but it's like, oh, this is in the bag today. And like, we just laugh if somebody got the polish for the cup and we used to take the mickey to each other and we were just so relaxed when we went into it that we probably played the best rugby, but we also had very, very good players that could, you know, back in the day. And I know that sevens games changed. You were in Hong Kong. When I played at international level, suddenly it was like, wow, you're playing against New Zealand and Fiji's for a, you know, he thought he was actually quite a good player until he started. <laughs> so he started chasing them, and it was just unbelievable. I remember going out to Fiji, <laughs> to Fiji the Scotland team, and we looked at the draw, and we were like, "Going, oh god, we've got like three Fijian village teams in our group. We've got, to, we've got to walk this, boys." You thought lost, you were playing against Stow? Lost by, lost, lost by thirty points every time. And it's and, you know, and then you end up playing New Zealand in the plate. And it was like it was like eight Fijian teams in the main competition, and and New Zealand, Australia, Scotland, 
you know, Canada, all the kind of international teams were all knocked out. It was it was unreal. And the, but the Seventh Circuit gave you that platform to play yeah. for Scotland because the it wasn't an organised thing. It, the yeah. Sevens was played in the borders, and then it became an international thing. Going away, playing with guys who weren't in border teams. Yeah, was it a different feel when you pulled on a Scotland Seven shirt? Um, I guess so. I think you know we were lucky. I guess we had guys like Roxy and stuff. Uh, Myself, um, God, think, think the team who, were, who went out there now. Uh, Gregor played when he went on tour, so you know he knew a few people. And there was a couple of London Scottish guys, you know, Ian Morrison who, who played was a very good sevens player. Mark Appleson, Dave Millard, um, who were all quite specialist seven players. But it was just a great environment for us to. We kind of knew that that was a potential shop window for the 15s. So if he played well in that. Although the 15 is a different game, you know, you could show that you've got a bit of pace or you've got a bit of skill or whatever, then that was definitely an opportunity to show the coaches what you could do and hopefully push you into that 15s game, which primarily everybody wanted to, to go into because there wasn't a seven circuit then. You know, we, it was Hong Kong as the, or, and the, the one time we went Fiji, Australia, Hong Kong was a bit of a tour uh, before the World Cup sevens. Um, and then I got dropped. <laughs> 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 it happens to the best it happens to the all. for the last six years fill your boots has been making rugby happen at the grassroots level please get involved and go to www.fybrugby.com to register your club or to register as a player and join the online community to make sure that games continue to happen in the future joining clubs with players and players with clubs to make sure that we can keep the club game as strong as possible. Fill your boots, bring in rugby together. And when you got when you got into international rugby, was that an ambition? Because growing up in Gala, you had a, you know, your brother, never mind any of the other role models, your brother was somebody you obviously looked up to and had experienced it. Was that an ambition as a kid in Gala, I want to play for Scotland or did you just want to play for Gala and see what happens? I probably I think never thought about it when I was younger because you just think well, I'm never going to get there in, in terms of you just don't know if you're going to be good enough and I, I'll be honest I was bang average player when I was younger, uh, you know, went to mini rugby and stuff and then you got to school, started playing a bit more but obviously Moff and Jim Shearer Don Lednam were really proactive at the academy which I think helped a lot of boys you know, develop. Um, but then, obviously, Pete was obviously playing international rugby at the time, which, you know, there was always a kind of, oh, well, <laughs> you know, and that, there was a comparison made saying, well, you're, you're never got to be as good as your brother. And I totally take that on board. <laughs> you know, he was, you know, you look back now and the career that he had was amazing. And, um, you know, played Grand Slam, whatever, played Gala Championship winning side. So it was always that fear, but it was also a motivation for me when I got to maybe 15, 16, I thought, right, I'm going to, everybody's kind of knocking you down a little bit. So I'm thinking, right, I'm going to really push hard to get it. So probably about that age group when I, I played Scottish under 15s and that was the kind of, I thought, right, am I good enough to do this? But I need to push on. And that's when I really looked at kind of myself and like, right, I need to get faster. You know what I mean? It was a real thing is that, and that's where, you know, guys like Charlie Russell helped me massively, you know. 
Yeah, legend. Uh, as a as a kid watching Gala, John Amos, yourself, Ian Corcoran, you know, Gregor kinda because he everything happened quite young for him. Yeah. There was a there was a conveyor belt and you had looked up to all those guys you already mentioned who went before you. It was a thing that just happened at Gala. I remember coming in as a young player and Stevie Scott was going to take my heat off for throwing an inside pass without looking. I can remember you being quite focused, quite, you didn't say a lot, but when you spoke there, there tended to be a real point to what was coming. Amos kind of growled at folk and, you know, <laughs> made, made sure that you were on it. You know, the Bali kind of, Tam Weir sort of swanned around and when they needed to, they flicked the switch and went on. That was an amazing, I'm not sure I appreciated it at the time, but that was an amazing thing to learn. Who, When you came into it, who were you looking at and thinking, I'll take a bit of that and I need to be more like that and I need to listen to him? I mean, yeah, I think I played, I think I put, sorry, phone. Um, the, um, when I came in, you know, 17, I played guys like, uh, um, you know, David Leslie was coming to end his career, you know, you know, Bobby Cunningham, Derek White, you know, um, and I guess, you know, again, that's how rugby's changed. It, you know, it was all kind of, a lot of time was blood and guts in the changing room, you know, let's get fired up and go out. Whereas now it's a bit more calm. It's like, know your situation, know your processes. You know, there's, you know, a lot, not a lot of words spoken. Whereas, and I was captain, for some reason, I got captained in the sevens quite a bit. So I think that helped me kind of just generate. And I think it's a, you kind of want to try and lead kind of by example, you know, by, you know, just doing the right things. Obviously, sometimes you do make mistakes and you, I think you learn from them, I think. And it, as you grow through that experience, I'm probably about yourself, you didn't appreciate being in that changing room. And I look around at the players that played with, it was just unbelievable, you know what I mean? And I think they, you can step up and you think you're playing with international players here at a club side. And also you're, the club side you're playing against, you know, you might be going out to play Edinburgh Ackies and you're playing like David Stoll, John Allen, Richardson, MacGyver. You know what I mean? It's just like, holy crap, you know what I mean? And, you know, there, there was no cameras or anything. It was like full on kicking the 10 bells out of each other, you know? I bet it was a great learning curve, I think, for everybody. And I think that, that kind of helped me as I kind of, you know, progressed. Do you miss the changing room? I, I, I did miss the training. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I trained hard. I trained really hard because I had to train really hard to get get to speed and whatever I tried to do. I wouldn't say I massively enjoyed it. I'm, I really missed the banter of the changing room. You know, you miss the train. You know, the training crack and the, you know, the bus trips and that. And again, I'm talking back to the the kind of old days. I say when I went to New Zealand, that they were before that. It was a kind of much a kind of culture that you know he, he trained hard, he played hard, but you know off the field. He went hard as well, you know. So it was a it was a great balance, you know. But I do I do miss that camaraderie in the changing room and stuff. You do somebody you can. I think I don't think any play player when they finish, you kind of go, God, that was just like a little bit of that back, you know what I mean? You, you can't put a price on it either, can you? It's well, not something you can put a value on. It's just well, really special. It's memories, I think. You know, what I mean, you, you try and think back some of the, the times you have. You end, you end up. I'm probably quite a selfish person. You, you look at. The things you've done, you think, God, and you'd start to really look back them as you, as every player, whatever level you've played at, and you'll remember the victories or the bus trips or, you know, 
lifting the cup or, you know, and, you know, we were very lucky at Galleruda. You know, in the 15, you probably let ourselves down a little bit with the group who had, who could have probably done a bit better, I think. Um, we obviously done well in the sevens up middle block of the early 90s to 95, 96. I mean, we, were, we went, you know, we just felt we had a chance in every tournament. Um, and there were some good sevens out there as well at the time. And then, Lately, at the end there, you know, I was lucky enough to come back to Gala and, you know, play in a team of youngsters, I guess, like say were at the time, Heinze, you know, Mossy, uh, David Gray, you know, um, and suddenly, you know, gone and won the cup and we won sec division and stuff like that. So it was, it was a, a really fun time. It, that was a brilliant thing. And I, I've spoken to people about this before. The club, Gala means a lot to you, obviously. It was where you started, so it gave you roots, but it then gave you wings to go. You did the international scene, you played overseas, you played down south, but you still came back. And it- Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Of all the things you've done, you've mentioned winning the club, winning the cup, and winning the second division, mm. because it meant something to you. You did it for your home club, and that you know, I was at that cup final. I was in the club who's after. It meant yeah. a huge amount to quite a small number of folk. Yeah, but it's absolutely. still a massive memory. I think it's a you know. I always remember. For me, the my real kind of bite mouse for for gala like the Melrose Sevens ninety four, you know was you know we played there we weren't given up we were in the we we're in the preliminary round again <laughs> <laughs> um but we went through that and we ended up beating like manly cambridge and we beat i think it was i think we was in the final um in a mud bath but that was just because there's a group of gala boys that you played with that just went out and done that and then again i think the, the cup thing was but you realized what it meant to you know the players it's great because you live in that moment but you know you look at the committee guys and the volunteers and you know happy happy loved it happy these boys but you know the clubs are built on that and you, you need these people to to help out and and do it but it was just it meant everything to them you know and he, again probably at the time you didn't realize how much it does but you know as you get older and you, you look back it does and how did how did Northampton come about? Because that was an era that players were able to go and do that. Yeah. And I think am I right in saying you came up and played at PL tens? I did, yeah. And you beat because Gal we played in the final. It was Northampton against Gala in the final. Yeah. And that team was absolutely stacked with players. 
Yeah, I you think... mentioned Nick Beale. I think Rod yeah. was there yourself. It was that was a pretty impressive group of boys. It's unreal. I think they came up to PL tents. And I don't know how that came about. You know, when when I when I first thought about, I I think I was getting to a stage I kind of got a little bit itchy feet. You know, I've been in gala and I was like gone. And to be fair, a lot of the a lot of other guys around me had kind of done a season in Australia or New Zealand, and I'd never done it. I was I was working at BGH, and I was like, you know. I was kind of probably settled where I was, and I thought I just I wanted to always have that opportunity to play overseas. And randomly, um, I started talking to Pete Walton, who was at Northampton at the time through the Scottish setup. We were in Argentina in '94, and I was like, da da da. I said, put in touch, Geechee's there, uh, blah blah blah. Should come down. So I ended up going down for a weekend. Met Geech, said that I, you know, and I, you know, walking at Franklin's Gardens, you know, and you've got at the time it was ten thousand people, and I'm like going, wow. Is this what happens every week? And he's like, yeah. And I, I guess I says, Luke, well, I'm going away to play a season in New Zealand. He says, look, right, you sign when you come back. And I was like, great. So I made the decision to leave, went and played for a Targo for a season. Um, then got the literally, I think Ian Hunter got injured. Um, and he said, look, can you, you need to come back a little bit earlier. So I came back. Went straight in the team. Things went well. We were in the second division because I'd got relegated in the last game of the season. But then Gregor had decided to come. Johnny Bell, Alan Clark, Irish Uka, you know, had Nick Beale, Ian Hunter, Tim Rodber, Dawson, Grayson, Matt Allen. And you're like going, holy crap. You know, I mean, this is, you know, and I, I was actually pleased to be in the squad because when you when looked at it, I thought, what, what have I, why have I decided to come here? I don't get a bloody game. But we went right through and you know, won the league that year playing unbelievable rugby. And I think, you know, I think they said, all right, tours, let's, oh, there's a tournament on Preston Lodge. Where's that? Dodgy. I was like, uh, just outside Edinburgh. He says, oh, we've got, go, we've got to go for a pre season up there. So we went. On, you know, on the Scottish Riviera. The Scottish Riviera, that's it, exactly. Hello, my name is Bruce Aitchison from Happiness is Egg-Shaped and I am here to tell you where you can get your Happiness is Egg-Shaped merchandise. Go to www.halbro.com and search for Happiness is Egg-Shaped in the stores. We've got it all. Umbrellas, snoots, hats, towels for when you eventually get to go on holiday to the beach or by the pool. We've got hoodies, we've got t-shirts, we've got all sorts going on there. Check it out. Get your Happiness is Egg-Shaped merchandise. You can get it all coloured up for your favourite team or for your country, get involved because you know, I know, everybody knows, happiness is exit. Um, so let's rewind the tape a wee bit. How did Otago come about? Because I remember you have pictures of you in that really famous kit, the 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 yeah. beautiful kind of royal blue with the yellow hoops and the big yellow O on the chest. I mean, those are those are ambitions a wee boy for Gala can he really hold? Bit of a funny one, this, but it, it, Pete got a phone call. By the way, Pete had been retired for about three years. <laughs> and, uh, and this guy had phoned him and said, oh, looking for a goal kicker to come over to New Zealand. Would you be interested? And then Pete said, he said, look, I think you've got the wrong person. I think it might be my brother you're asking for. He says, I've been retired for three years or whatever. He says, I'm not going to New Zealand. So this guy phoned me, you know, back in the day. He says, oh, can he fax us some facts and stuff on, uh, like, some of your reports and stuff? So I did. They then said, listen, we'll pay for your flight. 
we'll get you accommodation like it used to be in the day and we'll get you a job. And I just said, you know, someone, I'm going to jack my job. I'm going to go for it. And I went out there um, uh, just to get my shoulder first game in the club game. But then I played again three weeks. I got in the Otago squad um, and, you know, just being there was just, that was just after the 95 World Cup, which was unbelievable time to be there because obviously the All Blacks had just got beaten when everybody, like to a man in New Zealand, had thought they were going to win. But, you know, even from the first day I arrived in New Zealand, I went, you know, went along to the pie shop and, you know, get a pie and the, the lady goes, oh, that's, you know, that accents, where are you from? So I'm, I'm over for Scotland. I'm going to play. Oh yeah, you're the guy from that's coming over to play in the. I'm like, what? Like I've been there literally five hours, and suddenly people. Are, and then and it was it was a small town in Eden, you know, very at the Edinburgh of the South, and big Scottish connection and stuff. But amazing, amazing people really taught me about professionalism before professionalism because I remember going to my first session and. We were 20 minutes into session. Um, and bear in mind, Cronfeld, Penny, Joseph, Mike Mika, Anton Oliver, Tane Randall, Ellis, Bashup, Jeff Wilson, um, Steve Foster, you're like going, oh my God. Well, we're going through the first session and I'm 20 minutes in, I'm like going, no balls down. Holy shit. Oh, here we go. And then suddenly you're panicking because... You don't be, you don't want to be the one that's dropping the ball, you know. Um, and then Gordon Hunter's a coach, amazing. And then you know, started doing these grids and Mark Ellis, a bit of a joker, you know. What I mean, you know, fun kind of guy on and off the field, but he started firing these passes at Arm Penny and they were bouncing off his chest. He was trying to grab them. This one, he threw it that hard, it bounced and it hit the ground. Well, you know, you know, it's when you do the little grids, you know, the cross yeah, yeah. grids. Next, Greddy came running across and Penny just went, boom. <laughs> yeah. Leveled them. Le- knocked them out. And I, I, honestly, was, I was saying, it was blood pouring out of his mouth. Bear in mind, Mark Ellis had just scored five tries for the All Blacks a few weeks ago. And I'm like going, what the hell's going on here? But, you know, someone went back to Carlisle. One was said, went back to Carlisle, showers. It came, Ellis went up, apologised. That was the end of it, but it it showed the it, – it's a real shock to me because it was just like, wow, these guys are so – when you're on that field, it's concentration, it's doing everything right, don't mess around. And, um, you know, I, I managed to get in the squad. I only played three games, but I was in an environment which was absolutely amazing. And I took a lot from that when I came back, you know, and then luckily enough got into Northampton. We had a great season and – you know, Gregor came down and Geach was there playing a style of rugby that he, you know, if you look back at the Lions in 87, a lot of the stuff that he took, Northampton were doing what to play that open, fast game, you know, the, the year before. Right. Before we get on to Geach and Northampton, how do those names in Otago, which is an absolute hotbed of rugby, I mean, the names you've mentioned just, their heroes yeah. to people way beyond the shores in New Zealand. How do they accept a Scotsman that they've probably never heard of? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll, you know, when I went to that first set, I'm like, I felt, you know, you could see them looking at you like going, who's, who's this kid? You know what I mean? And uh, 
I think it's you have to just get in, you know, your work ethic there. And they used to always say, does anybody want to do extra? We had a day off and said, we've got to do extra. And I'd say, I'll, I'll go. And then there were two or three other guys get. And I think just by showing that you were like all in with them. Um, and then as soon as, you know, played the first game against Southland, who, you know, who won, who beat Southland, I think, 21-19, I scored all the points, luckily. And, I, and, it was, and it was, it was just everything fell my way that day. But I think after that, suddenly they're like, oh, this guy's okay, you know what I mean? But there is a, there's a time it takes to get that and gain that respect. They're very, they're a tight-knit community, but they'll let you in, but they want to make sure that you, you, you're all in with them as well. Did you feel far from home when you produce a performance like that and Hepe's not there to see you <laughs> and the, the gala support are not there to cheer you on? Did you feel <laughs> far away? There was no social media or like any of that then. And, you know, you then had to phone home. You actually got to write letters back, you know, and you just think, you know, has anybody seen this back home? And I think maybe one of the Scottish reporters must have picked it up saying that I was down there. Obviously, I'd, that first game had went well. So then there was a phone call saying, Can you and so suddenly, oh, there's a guy down there trying to... And But I guess for a lot of players back then, it was a... Tr- it was, a way of sort of trying to lift themselves up to a different level. It wasn't going down there just to have a good time. Although there was a lot of boys that did that, I was definitely went down there to say, right, I'm, I want this, I want this to be a learning experience and and try and and it helped me massively as it, when I came back. You know, everything that I'd learned down there just from the players. You know, you're, you know, training and living around All Blacks and you know just what it meant to them to play. And we end up going right through that year. We got beaten NPC final. Um, to, by Auckland, and you know it was it was <laughs> the first thing been, yeah I know, and it was it was one of them. I think Tago hadn't done that for a few years, so um, but you know when you look at the players there, it was just it was frightening. You know what I mean how good I, they were. I love that level of rugby in New Zealand. I love the MPC level. Oh. It's it's a bit like a districts, I suppose. It's not quite there at Super Rugby. There's guys who are still working, but there's then these kind of rock stars that come back. I, I love that MPC level of rugby. Uh, well, I, I, I end up working at Spates Brewery, and Jamie Joseph worked there. Greg Cooper, former All, all Black, there, and you know Jamie's like, yeah, let's let's go. I was like, middle of work day, and he's like, going, like, come on, let's go to the gym. I'm like, well, what do you mean? I said, but we've got we're working. He says, oh, no, let's, let's go. But they were given that openness. That license. Uh, yeah, it was just being in that environment, open doors for the company, you know, so it was a pretty special time. Spates, follow the stars. Exactly. Probably follow the stars. <laughs> and then you go, you go with Geech. Now, lots of people are able to talk about Geech, um, but not all of them have been able to work under him or work with him. How how special, how, how much did he shape? You've already mentioned what he did with Northampton and then obviously the Lions, but what did he do for you? Um, like he, he's obviously you know, a phenomenal coach. Uh, I think probably you look back then and he was ahead of his, you know, people say that people are ahead of their time. I think he was, he, he was a great thinker about the game, but I think the big thing for me is it, for me, when I came, it was like, I'd come to Northampton, you know, I'd Ian Hunter there, Nick Beale, you know, all these great players, but he just, he, he gave you the belief and he gave you confidence that he believed in you. And that was a big thing. Coaches like going, you know, you've got this and you, you can play at this level and you can you can cause problems. And, you know, he would sit and just 
it wasn't a, Gates wasn't a shouter. He was a very much a very methodical, you know, you know, even the speeches when you hear the living of the lines, which I heard you know, one with um, Tom and Creamy the other day, you know, you know, I think back, you're saying the hairs in the back of your neck are going up, listening to them. And back in Northampton days, very similar. You would sit and, you know, about all the values and the family and people that put you there. And, you know, you suddenly go, you're like going, oh, like your hot coals all run over them for you, you know? And he was that type of coach. But I think he gave a lot of confidence to you, a lot of belief in, in your ability. And and again, I was lucky I got a, I got a decent start down there. And suddenly we've got, we've got a run and I think it gave the belief to the rest of the team, you know. And obviously, I think Gregor being there just as a kind of, you know, not just an ex-Gala player, but a Scottish guy that you could kind of, you felt like you were there kind of miles away from home as well. So, because that was the first real time I'd moved away. And it was massive. And I think a lot to, lots of folk in Gala and the Borders took note in Northampton because, you you know, you guys were there. Yeah. It no, almost be, I think it was became a, their English team. Yeah, and I mean, it's they looked after you know really well, and the game was just going professional at the time. So it was a we were kind of we signed professional, but if you look back now, we probably kind of wasn't a professional. You know, it was a kind of it was a kind of hybrid, I guess, that you were looking yeah. at. So, um, but yeah, fun times with a with a with an amazing group of players. Dudley, uh, I could I could talk to you all day, but what what's the day job now? So obviously, uh, I'd worked with um, Under Armour for 17 years. Uh, finished last year, had an amazing time with them. Again, I've been. I look back and I think, God, I've been pretty lucky. You know, what I mean, I, I ended up working with the Welsh team for over 12 years with Gats and Howlers and um, Alan Phillips, and who had you know with three Grand Slams championships. So I was involved in the team and the players. Looked after Jamie Roberts, um, Lee Halfpenny, Haskell. Uh, on the on the English side, Mike Tyndall, um, and then signed Anthony Joshua 2013. And the brand kind of when I started with it was very small and with a meteoric rise and phenomenal people in the brand and had a great time. Um, a bit of change last year. I got the opportunity to work for a, a small agency that said, "Look, would you come and help us build the rugby portfolio?" So I'm I'm kind of doing that. I went to the dark side of of agency. <laughs> And um, but yeah, just trying to you know handpick some really good players, look after them properly, um, you know, try and impart some of my knowledge and experience on you know what happened in my career. Although the game's different now, um, I think some of the principles are still the same, and you know, just trying to give these guys good advice. So if they, you know, as they hopefully go on and become professional rugby players, and also maybe thinking about what they're going to do after rugby as well, because, you know, it's, it's a pretty attritional sport now and, you know, you can be rewarded really highly for it, but, you know, it, it's, it, you see the injuries that happen. So it's just making sure that people are realistic and, uh, and hopefully we can, um, we can start building that. It's going really, really well. I'm enjoying it. Um, a few Scottish boys on board now, and I've got a good collection of some English and Welsh players now. So yeah, hopefully you'll see these names coming through in the next few years and, and let's hope they can go on and you know have a have a, a good club and international career. I love it, and I, I know how much work you put into it, and I know the background you do, Dodsey. And I think with the life you've led, that experience, I hope they're listening because uh, I know you've got a lot to say, uh, Dodsey. We're going to have to wrap up, but I, I, this is the only bit I primed you with. So for you, happiness is has to only be one thing, Bruce, and it's get old, Gally. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Give that man the freedom of the tune. <laughs> Dodsy, I love it. I look forward to seeing you soon. It's been great to catch up with you more recently in life after a, a long time away, but uh, I've absolutely loved having you on. Thank you so much. Pleasure, Bruce. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Love it. What a boy. Uh, happy to say I shared the field with him, although I don't think I helped his development with some of the things I probably did inside him. But a great guy, and I know he's doing a really good job looking after what I hope are some future stars and guys who are going to get a lot out of the game. If you've enjoyed it, you can catch us on Apple, Acast and Spotify. You can also watch the video on Facebook and YouTube. Go back and have a look at the back catalogue for some of the episodes that even Dodsey's listened to. There's a man who does his research. Lots of exciting things coming in the future. But in the meantime, please stay safe. My name is Bruce Aitchison and my happiness is egg-shaped. Speak to you soon. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and love's a circle with no end. No, 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 Happiness is egg-shaped and love's a circle with no end. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 